Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you this morning for your presence in our lives. Thank you for a place to gather, a, a gathering of your people to worship and adore you. Thank you that there's a place that we can nourish our spirit. You have said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your, your mouth. And we believe, O oh God, that you are perfect in all your ways and that you have a word for every season in our life. And we pray, Father God, that we would walk in the light of that word, that we would welcome your word into our hearts so that we not go astray and sin against you. Father, that we not fall, that we not stumble, and that we not be disconnected and shipwrecked in our faith, Lord, that we return to the voice and to the word of the Lord, which is able to make us wise and able to restore all that the enemy desires to uh, take from our lives. We pray, O oh God, that your word would be sufficient this day. We pray that your word would be a double-edged sword that would penetrate the depth of our being. We pray that your word, Father God, would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth a good harvest to glorify you. We give you thanks, O oh God, for this season and time in our lives, in our families, in your purpose, in the fulfillment and the preparation of your glory to fill the earth like the waters cover the sea, O oh God. Allow your church, the bride of Christ, to be arrayed and adorned with the garments of praise and righteousness so that all men might know that you're a faithful God, O oh God. Fill us with wisdom this morning and allow your word to be scattered abroad in our hearts, Lord. And we pray, O oh God, that it would not return void. Fulfill that which your word is imparting to our lives through your spirit. Minister to us this morning. Prepare us for the days to come. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, O oh God. Amen and amen. There is um, thoughts of mine again, uh, wondering why... Uh, some experience um, the supernatural expressions of goodness in their lives. And while some are experiencing the joy and the peace of the Lord, some seem to be uh, really shipwrecked and distant and disconnected. And the Lord is faithful to always shown a light that redirects our steps and the faithful will listen to the voice of the Lord and, and start walking in that direction but the the underlying foundation of prosperity and fruitfulness and excelling uh, where the word excellent comes from is is a measure of grace grace is the substance that needs to be received uh, grace is uh, the ingredient and the foundation of all the expression of heaven. When you miss grace, uh, it's been termed in humanly terms as a disgrace. You missed out grace. Grace was not present. And grace becomes that which people are looking for in many different realms. The uh, manifestation and expression of success, prosperity, is those 
who have found this measure of grace. Uh, in the Bible, we see uh, this chapter I was reading just now. Um, in this regards, um, the difference between having grace and not having grace in Genesis 6, 8 is the difference between being rescued in the midst of travesty or being under the deluge of the floods of judgment. And so the Bible says in Genesis 6, 8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We know what finding grace means in the light of Noah's flood. He and his family were delivered. They were rescued. They, they weren't on the opposite side of grace going through disgrace. I don't want to find myself. I've, I've over the years as a Christian, if you experience this story of the flood, you, you, I, I haven't even um, wanted to go to the depth of the despair and to the desperation that, that is being experienced by those people on the opposite side of grace. Noah! Noah! Cousin, uncle, neighbor, friend. And the non-responsiveness and to see the waters rising and children and families and, and great, great destruction. So here, um, we know that the substance of the difference of what people are living in modern times is uh, finding grace or not obtaining grace. Um, this is not by chance at all. God is not unjust in that manner. God gives grace to the humble. Grace will be found in the heart of those who seek it. And we need to pursue it. The opposite of grace um, that comes through humility is disgrace that comes through pride. Pride precedes disgrace. The attitude in the heart of man that lifts up shunning the grace of God uh, is a travesty. And we see it all over uh, the earth in different expressions. As the men saw that in this world there was great destruction and great loss and desperation and blindness and people being totally distant. First uh, Peter 1.10 said that throughout history, um, those that prophesied and talked of this salvation, Peter writes in the New Testament, of this rescue, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. They asked. They, were, they wanted to find out. They, they were trying to determine <clears throat> when this grace would come to us. Who prophesied of the grace that would come. Um, as a pastor, a minister of the grace of God... Uh, I was telling my nephew yesterday that, that we have been given the provisions of God to bestow upon the earth. Um, the measure of grace is one 
that, that we need the most because it concerns salvation. As Peter's saying, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. They're meticulous trying to determine when this grace would come. So you need not go far to answer the question, what's going on with the people that have not found the peace and the joy of the Lord? The pathway of God for man to obtain all that he has prepared. The pathway of God for man to receive everything God has prepared um, is in Christ Jesus by this grace that comes through faith. Uh, one of my favorite songs of all time is Amazing Grace. Um, talking about what a wretched, lost, blind sinner I was until grace appeared. And this grace is preparing me to inherit um, everything God has prepared. 1 Timothy 1.13, what is the remedy for man's condition of being lost, blind, fallen, disconnected? Um, as, as far as you can determine that a man is able to walk away from God and be distant, Paul says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, how many know a blasphemer? People that don't take God serious. That, that is the epitome of blasphemy. They don't take God serious. So then they utter words that are not in line with the reality of who God is. And there we see the mercy of God. I was formerly a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was insolent man. That word insolent means pride to the extreme of expression. Pride, some people are proud, but some people take pride to an extreme to express it in great levels. So an insolent man, uh, a man who is not concerned about humility and meekness, he's just going to ride uh, his wave of pride and arrogance. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 14, he says, but it was the Lord's, the grace of our Lord. That's what, that's what turned the tide. The grace of God, which was huge, exceedingly abundant. So there's measures of grace. A small grace for who? For those that could walk in humility a little bit. How about abundant grace? For those who throw themselves at the deep end of the pool to really humble themselves in all things. To be able to recognize, and a lot of people think, uh, Pastor, your life is an expression of God's amazing grace and goodness. Guess what? I want more. I want to grow in greater measures of the grace of God towards my life, so that requires greater humility, greater brokenness. When the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus... Verse 15, this is a faithful saying worthy for everyone to accept that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm the head honcho. I'm, I'm the full expression of a man who was super lost, super blind, super disconnected, super fallen. When we're talking about 
falling from grace, it's important for you to know that um, this is the most horrendous thing that could happen to man. And for what it's worth, uh, before we met Christ, and we're going to get to that, our life was total darkness. It was just, just a, an inability to concern ourselves with anything that had reason. Um, when grace appears, it begins to work an incredible expression of perfection. God begins to perfect our steps into his purpose. So here, Paul says like this, 2 Corinthians 2.8, um, one expression is no grace. He was lost as a blasphemer, persecutor, the chief of sinners. And now he knows that the grace of God came in. And so now he knows that God has this for all men. Uh, and so he tells us these words, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.8. Let me see if I have that right. Um, super important that you see his words now. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 9.8. Sorry about that. In chapter 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Some people are looking for a better job. Some people are looking for a better connection, better intellectual study, better university, better investments, better business. You know, they sign up at the Better Business Bureau and they try to network but the truth of the matter is that there's only one thing that takes you to the top, and it's God's grace. And, and, and it's there. It's not, it's not something you subscribe to through the mail. God is able to make all grace be abundant towards you, abound, that you always, say with me, always. always. You know, so if you do it some other way, there'll be streaks of luck and chance and relationships and companies that you might hit and and so I, I have some people that describe pastor at the beginning of 2014 I was I was up there man but then mid 2000 I was all the way down and, and then I started and I went down again and so the, their life is always a roller coaster but here God always having sufficiency of all things so that you may have abundance for all the good work that God, the expression of a full sunny horizon where God is making all things shine in great measure. This is what God has for us. And, and so you should know your source. Know where your provision comes from. Um, I love the, the, the chapter there. Let me look it up for you. Mm. And we'll read Psalm 75, verse 6. One of my favorite passages. It says that exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. It's not, you're, you're being lifted up. How many are getting a witness this morning that, that God's desire is to raise you up? And it's above. Like the, the example of Noah is a clear expression of grace when grace is present. You are rescued, you are saved, 
You are experiencing provision from on high. Exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Verse 7. But God is the judge. And he puts one down and exalts the other. He is the God of grace that causes it to abound. And so in that regard, super important for us to understand it. Because um, in other words... It, it becomes a, a sore predicament of bitterness, of resentment, of, of huge lament, the Bible says. Um, there in Timothy 2, verse 11, God is generous with his grace, and he says the grace, uh, Titus 2, 11, I'm sorry, Titus 2, 11, um, the grace of God that was prophesied, the grace of God that rescued Noah, the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus, the grace of God that brings salvation, that was diligently searched out and concerned by these men who prophesied when it would come, has appeared to all men, verse 12. It's a grace that teaches us. Look at the first word. The grace of God, the, 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 the grace of God that brings salvation to all men teaches us. Again, to be able to be receptive to this grace is to sit as a student and allow to be taught. Um, a friend of mine says, when I was a hippie surfing in California, I was a pothead, I was a disaster, I was a trash bag. The grace of God rescued me there. And I said, that's, that's beautiful grace. But then the grace of God that takes you from being a clown that's a glorious grace and takes you out of the circus of this world where you're doing things thinking you're going to do them that's the foolishness of man he thinks the bible says no one could add it to their stature this is god who gives increase in growth and so if god is the source of this grace where are we to bow down and humble ourselves before who before god and so if your heart is not bowed down and kneeling before the omnipotent God of grace, being faithful to Him, honoring Him, serving Him, obeying Him, then, then pride comes before the fall. And so there, going back to Titus, this grace teaches us, okay, I, I want more than the grace that took me from being a rebellious little teenager. I, I want something greater than that. And that was grace sufficient and it saved me. But now the grace that makes me a man of God, a prince, a world changer. I want greater measures of grace and it's going to require greater humility, greater brokenness. Teaching us to deny ungodliness. The first thing grace does is it teaches you to repel from those things that God does not like. Uh, the greatest minds upon the earth, uh, we have a family member. He's one of the greatest um, horticulturalists. That's a plant doctor. This, this man is the encyclopedia for plants. And he is poverty stricken. He is, he is totally depleted. In his prosperity and success, both in family, spiritually, and physically, financially. Why? 
because he refuses to bow down before the Lord. He refuses. He's walking in great expressions of pride in this regard. I don't need God. I don't have to seek him. I, I don't need to pray to him. I don't need to serve him. I don't need to be obedient. I don't need to honor the God of heaven. Well, if promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, the south, it's not coming from Europe, it's not coming from Asia, it's not coming from the stock market, then exaltation comes from my Lord. And he puts one up and puts the other one down. So he alone deserves and merits for us to learn from his grace that teaches us to deny, to say no. I'm not, listen, it could be the best deal in the world. If God's not in it, I don't want to have any part of it. I don't, in other words, I don't want to prosper absent the grace of God. Because it's the grace of God that, that allows you to, to be super blessed. Um, I was talking to my nephew on Friday night here at the youth group. I said, listen, if somebody were to offer me $10 million and says, look, this is, this is for you, but, you know, let this be sufficient for your lifetime, I would say, get out of here. I would not trade what I have right now for exorbitant sums of money because the amount of peace, the amount of joy, the, the expressions of His grace over my life are huge. Peace. I, I, I just, just is, is untold riches. The, 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 the verse we use uh, we'll come back to Titus now, but if we go to Proverbs 10.22, this is the difference of God's grace. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one wealthy, makes one rich. See the difference between pursuing the things in this world, pursuing the devil's carrot in front of your nose. He's always bringing you away from God, away from the source of your wellspring. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. So for the expressions of everyone who pursues uh, prosperity in this world without God, um, just look into a double barrel shotgun like Ernest Hemingway, like Kurt Cobain, like, like all the incredible people in this world who have sought after wealth and riches without God without the peace and joy of the Lord. So the blessing of the Lord, when God blesses you, there's only one direction it moves you. It moves you towards prosperity, towards blessing. And the blessing of the Lord does this, adds no sorrow. Going back to Titus chapter 2, verse 11, the grace of God that appears to all men. Verse 12, teaches us to deny, to say no to things that are not godly. And what else does it teach us to say no to? To worldly lust. The desires that are in the world. How do you do this? Um, by living soberly. The word soberly means balanced. You're, you're, not, you're not driven. Oh, I have a lot of money. I'm super happy. Oh, I have no money. I'm super sad. Oh, things are going good, I'm, I'm at the top. Oh, things are going bad, I want to kill myself. No, the, the, the grace of God will give you a, you're, you're enjoying life. It, not at the highest level, not at the lowest level. You are enjoying the prosperity of the peace of God. Righteously and godly 
not in the days of Noah. Because a lot of people say, oh, that was for Noah, but we're not living. No, in this present age. Right now, you could be the Noah of your generation. And you know when the grace of God is upon your life, you begin to build in such a way that your family is prospered. And today, the biggest travesty we have in our generation are people that, that are seeking prosperity outside their family. In other words, I don't need my husband, I don't need my kids, I don't need my wife, and I'm going to be happy. Or you're a fool because God created family as a, um, as a breeding ground to prosperity. Because he says relationally, if you're, this is, this is it, I'm, uh, we're going to see it now in the scriptures, but I want to get to it quick. The greater grace of God upon your life, the greater capacity you are at enjoying your family, enjoying your marriage. And when you begin to lose grace, you know the first thing that happens, you become a prodigal, you distance yourself from family. You distance yourself from the church. You distance yourself from reliance upon God. I don't need God. I got an inheritance. That's what the prodigal said. He ended up eating with pigs. So this, this righteous, sober, godly in this present age, and verse 13 says, looking for the return, looking for the blessed hope, glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus' return is imminent. The Bible says it's going to happen soon. You don't want to gain the whole world and see Jesus show up and you, you are the expression of the world's prosperity. No, you want to be ready for his glorious appearing and then in that regards, uh, you and I've, I've been praying like this recently, uh, Lord, the expectation of your return is, is a greater concern for me than what this world promises. What, what being, being ready for the Lord's coming is more important for me than whatever I can gain in my earthly lifetime. Um, and so... Those that are stuck in a world of sin, Romans 5.20, God made it so that his grace would come in greater measure and support than the sin that keeps us away from God. You, you'll notice it. This is, this, it becomes even ridiculous. When I'm talking to somebody about Jesus, they tell me, it's a funny thing. I went to the grocery store yesterday. The guy was talking to me about Jesus. The mailman was dropping me a letter off. He was talking to me about Jesus. I went down to the mall, and I was parking, and the parking attendant. And so all these people surrounded by God, reaching out, the grace of God abounds in greater measure. Uh, it says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. What's that mean? God calling us is greater than that which is calling us away from God. And, and that is a mystery. You, you, you try and figure out that how, how that goes, how you keep score. I've talked to prostitutes. I've talked to homosexuals. I've talked to homeless. I've talked to criminals in prison. And they all tell me God has shown that he's with me. God, God is, I feel God with me all the time. Uh, Jimmy Hughes, a hitman for the mafia, he says, when I shot five people in the head, I heard the voice of Jesus saying, I still love you. It's a measure of goodness none of us will understand. 
is a personal friend. Uh, and that's when he went back to his hotel, fell on his knees, and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Because he couldn't, he couldn't understand the depth of love of cold-blooded execution of five people and hearing a voice that was louder than those murders saying, I still love you. We don't understand that love. We don't understand the measure of grace. And that's what it's talking about here, that grace much more abounds. And, and you know what it is, how many times we have rejected God's grace. And he continues, even this morning, closing out 2014, reaching out once again, saying, I have a source of provision you haven't tapped into yet. I have a source of abundance of blessing and prosperity you still aren't acquainted with. So in that regards, uh, Paul is trying to, to deliver the same message to the people of Ephesus in Ephesians 2 verse 1. He says, when you were deep in doo-doo, I'm sorry, I forgive me for that. When you were deep in the crap sewer of life, when you were deep in the uh, septic tank, you, he awakened and made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You're on the road. You guys know, right? We just got back from a big road trip to Naples yesterday. Uh, Brandon had a basketball game there, so we drove all the way up at 2 o'clock. We came back at 10 o'clock, and there were so many animals that were dead on the road. And I was like, porecito, 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 porecito. They didn't make it. And that was you, porecito. You're there, dead, run over, trampled, rotting flesh. There was no hope. Your stinkiness was huge. You were dead. You know, I believe that salvation was so real in my life because of the depth of death that reigned over me. There was no hope at all for me to ever be a Christian, a man of God, have the goodness of the Lord in my life. So there, verse 2, he says, You who were dead in sins and trespasses... At what degree, he says, to the degree that this world puts you in. He says, in which you once walked according to the course, to the current, to the stream of this world, according to Satan's power. You were the son of a wicked, non-graceful person called Satan. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of which still works, is still, you know, in the, the pores of those who walk in disobedience. Because obedience is the measure towards humility and grace. And disobedience, pride, arrogance, uh, self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to know God. It says, because you lived according to this current of the world. And obviously, that's, that's where, we, that's where uh, the cards are dealt on the table of life. And we play our hand and, and we see what we're going to do according to what we've learned in this lifetime. We've seen some very uh, dark stuff. We're maybe not as dark as some people. But nonetheless, we've learned that lifestyle. 
We are dead in sin. We are distant. Verse 3, he says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, trying to please the pleasures of self, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And because we were walking in that pattern, at that depth, in that nature, we were children of wrath. We, we deserved destruction and judgment. So Paul is describing it right. So what turns the tide? What turned the tide wasn't you're a good person and decide to go to church. What turned the tide, it says, verse 4, but God. This is what turns the tide. But God, who is rich deep in mercy because of his great love with he with which he loved us um, fathom this just because we've used it as an expression today that while Jimmy Hughes is a uh, hit man for the mafia and he's killing people he's receiving contracts he shows up to kill one man but four of his friends are there he has to kill all four of them and so at that measure the love of God was greater in, upon his life than the depth of his depravity and, and, and that's, that's the love of God. If I were God, I would start pressing that, that, that button that sends people to hell. Like, like okay, you're to hell. You're not, you don't want Jesus to hell. Hell, hell. And God doesn't. He continues to throw the measure of grace at, at levels that far surpass our understanding because of the great love which he loved us. And so what does he does? But God who is rich in this love, what, what happens? Verse 5. It says, there even when we were dead in trespasses, he brings us back to life together with Christ by grace. By grace, salvation is extended. By grace. Again, uh, those that, that have trouble in walking with Jesus have not been able to plug into grace. Not, have not understood. Grace has not been welcomed. And we're going to see that. In this regard, verse 6, by grace you are saved. It's a gift of God. There he raises us up together and makes us to sit together in heavenly places. He gives us a heavenly vision for our earthly travels. He's able to give us a vision of perspective. You're not able to see, but for grace. It becomes of, here, put these grace glasses on. Wow, I don't need what this world is offering me. I don't, I'm not pursuing that. I want greater measures of his grace. I want to be the full expression of the grace of God upon my life. See it every moment, every second, every relationship. Let it be a gracious experience. We're going to see this, verse 7. He says, he raised us up together, made us to sit, that in the ages to come he might show. This is, this is the verse right here. He wants to manifest the exceeding riches of his grace. A little bit of grace will pull you out of sin. What will a lot of grace do? What will tons and train loads of grace do? It'll shoot you into the heights of the expression of God's purpose for you. That he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus, verse 8, so that you would be able to know that you, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not anything you've done. It's a gift of God. Verse 9 says, not by your strength or efforts, not by your works, 
so no one can get proud, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift of God. Verse 10, so that you become the workmanship, um, so that you become his expression. My life for the last 30 years has gone greater and greater measure of expressions according to the grace of God that has come. So like Nick says, for 2015, if I'm looking for his grace and being filled by his grace and uh, uh, being able to welcome his grace, what is going to happen? The full measure of his workmanship created for good works. These things that were prepared before we were born that we should walk in them. How? By grace. By, by pursuing it. Verse 11 says, Therefore, those of us that were formerly Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcisions, we weren't walking in the promises of God. We weren't, we weren't living like God wanted us to live. Verse 12, Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, and because you were separated from this grace, you were an alien and a stranger to the covenants and promises, therefore you had no hope for the coming year. You were without God in this world. You were disconnected. You're lost. And, and so now we see what God says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, that in this relationship, in this relationship, we begin to have peace with all people. We start being separated to the purpose of God. And no one will see the evidence of God without allowing grace to have its perfect place. In Ephesians 3 verse 7, uh, Paul says, This grace will bring you to the expression of what God intended. Uh, let's go to that, Ephesians 3 7. Of which I became a minister, a servant, according how did he become, from being a lost blasphemer, from being a persecutor, from being the worst of all sinners, to, he says, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God that was given to me by the effective working of his power. I started pursuing God's grace. I started humbling myself. It says it there, how we could receive grace is found in James chapter 4, verse 6. He gives more grace. Therefore, God, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The humility, the brokenness, the walking away from self-sufficiency, independence, everything this world tells you to do. That's why the world doesn't like us very much. My friends that are lawyers, when I walked away from my law career 10 years ago, they're like, you're making fun of us. We're, we're on the pursuit for the glory of this world, and you decide that you're going. Now, 10 years later, I have these guys writing me and, and telling me, you know something? We need what you have. We desire peace. We desire prosperity, fruitfulness. We desire the expression of, of those things that God has prepared. He says there, he gives more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Um, in the coming days, the biggest travesty that could happen to a son of God 
is that having, uh, let's go to verse 6 there. The, the, obviously, this is, this is the answer to the question. If God res- opposes the proud, resists the proud, and gives grace to the humble, then how do we become humble? Verse 7, submit to God. Come under God. The devil is the, the originator of the person that lifted himself above God. I don't need God. I'll be like God. I'm going to get my throne, and we're going to see that in a second. But no, if you want to be humble, submit to God. Uh, uh, Nicholas was saying it this morning. Be obedient to, to those that are in authority. How do you do that? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what I want. I want the devil far from my life. In verse 10, he says it again, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. The Lord will be able to determine what's in your heart. In Isaiah 14, 12, he was able to see what was moving in the heart of Satan when he said the words, how you have fallen from heaven. How do you fall from grace? you begin to lift yourself up. If grace comes through humility and the strength of grace is humility, then the, the strength of fallenness or disgrace is pride. Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning, how you're cut down to the ground and you who weakened the nations. Verse 13. For you said in your heart, in the deep where nobody was looking, you said, I will ascend. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to prosper. I'm going to go big. I'm going to get where no one's going. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. Verse 14. Five times this guy uses the word I. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. I'll make decisions in my life. I won't answer to anybody. I won't listen to anybody. I won't follow anybody's directives. Verse 15. Yet you shall be brought low to hell, to the lowest depth of the pit. Verse 16. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider saying how this man, who was so strong that he would shake up the nations, and look what he's become. Verse 17. Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners. He was a strong, strong force. So that's why Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.1, you, my son, Timothy, if I'm able to speak into your life, if you're open to receiving the instruction of a son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Seek it out. Humble yourself. Hebrews 12.15 says, see it, that no one comes short, falls short of the grace of God. You know what happens when the grace is not present? You start getting bitter. You start letting it contaminate your existence. You begin to sell, verse 16. Let no one lack, let, let the, lest there be any fornicator. A fornicator is the one that wants a relationship without responsibility. He wants intimacy, but he doesn't want a commitment. You want God to bless you, but you don't want to serve God. You want God to prosper you, but you do not want 
to covenant with him. The body of Christ is the bride of Christ, married to the Lord. This is a profane person like Esau who, <clears throat> for one morsel of food, sold his birthright, traded up his relationship. Galatians 5, 4, he says, if you do so, you fall short of the grace of God. Things start getting twisted. You lose your relationship with the Lord for your earthly prosperity. You have become severed from Christ. You can't become severed from Christ unless you're connected. The, the worst and this is obviously we're talking to the people of God this morning in the church of God. 2015 has to represent your concern to be connected to God and recipient of his grace. Because it can be the case that you said, well, I don't need God no more. I don't need the church anymore. I don't need the Bible. I don't need prayer. And you walk yourself out of the vast provisions of his grace through your pride and self-sufficiency. That's, that's the message this morning. As we say goodbye to 2014, my concern for you is that you might prosper as God has determined for you to prosper. Not for you to be like Lot. How many remember Lot? <clears throat> Genesis 13, 12. He comes to Abraham without nothing. He starts prospering and being blessed and says, I don't need my uncle Abraham anymore. I don't need a relationship Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan is the land of promise. The only thing that he had up there was his relationship with God. And that was his prosperity. But Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent closer and closer to his relationships in the world. I can't lose this job. I can't lose this deal. I can't lose. And, and there, it was just all in the world. And he divorced himself from the relationship with the man of God, with his uncle in this regards. Uh, and there it is. He became ever the more self-reliant, independent. I know what I'm doing. I don't need. Um, you do the study on where Lot ended up, but he ended up without a wife and without daughters and without the covenants of God. He had huge, huge promise in his humility. And First Peter 5... Five says, come under God. Don't challenge that. Usually young people have a problem with this. So, so Peter writes, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, being clothed with humility. Make sure that you're not wiser than your pants, right? Now don't think, you know, I got it going now. He says, don't go there. Because... Be dressed in humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, I, I believe it's verse 6. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. The prosperity of grace is solid. It's promising. And that's why Jesus becomes our example in Philippians 2.5. It says... Um, let this mind work in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He, he had it all up there. Verse 6. 
which being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't say, I'm God too. I don't have to listen to God. And you might be saying, you know, I'm an adult already. I'm a human. I don't have to listen to another human. No, he didn't compare this as being something to grasp for, verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. Uh, that's, that's, a good, that's a good goal for you in 2015. Make yourself humble. Make yourself a servant. Uh, even amongst your fellow peers, you, you might have a degree you might have a business. You might have whatever semblance of prosperity you have. Take the form of a servant. Verse 8, it says that he became oh, found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient. That's another form of humility. Do what the word of God says and not what you think based on your, your conniving. Become humble as obedient even to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Verse 9. As you, you notice this thing going downwards. Humble, 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 humility, servant, obedience. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. The grace of God allows you to, to take the form of humility as Christ, as he humbled himself God highly exalted him, verse 10, giving him a name that every knee shall bow, those in heaven and on earth and those under the earth. Every knee shall bow, verse 11, every tongue confess that Christ is Lord for the glory of the Father. This is where the grace of God is able to take you to levels of prosperity and peace you do not know. So there in Hebrews 12, 27, it says, while everything on the earth is shaking, everything is coming apart, everybody's losing their marbles, they're losing their peace, they're losing their joy, yet one more indicates the removal of things that are being shaken. As the things are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. I, I don't want, I don't care what's happening upon the earth, uh, the grace of God is sufficient, is more ample to address anything that confronts us verse 28 that we might have since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us have grace let us let grace abound let us experience grace by which we may serve God in a manner which is acceptable and reverent and godly fear why verse 29 because God is a consuming fire he's 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 coming he's coming at, at levels of high responsibility. Let's stand this morning. And, and you can say with me, Lord, let me not take your grace in vain. Let me not push it aside. Let, let it abound towards me. Let it abound towards my future, my plans. Let your grace be that which sustains me. One day somebody said, Joaquin, you are too cocky. You are going to fall. And I said, listen, the only way I fall is if the grace of God is absent. Because it's the grace of God that sustains me. That, that is the provision and the promise 
that when the grace of God is sufficient and abounds, then we see the manifestation of his glorious riches. And, and so I do my best to make sure that, that from this house, those that receive the ministry of the word in this house will be able to attain to the full measure and excellence of God. Because God has not created us for darkness. He has not created us for destruction. He takes no pleasure in us falling away. He wants us always to be connected, always to have light, always to be with full vision for the days to come. Those that are suffering great bouts of depression, you know what they need? You answer with me. The grace of God. They need the grace of God because the grace of God is sufficient. They don't need a psychiatrist. They don't need a good business deal. They don't need greater income. They need the grace, the grace, the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we sing this song, and then if you need and desire to be connected to that measure, take a step of faith and come here to the altar and let me pray for you. And I'm going to ask God uh, to pour down His amazing grace upon our hearts, our marriages, our lives, our families. This is what parents should be connecting their kids to that they might know the grace of God like Paul told Timothy make sure the grace of God is strong in your life quit being arrogant quit being self-sufficient quit being proud grace of God is what saves amazing grace how sweet yes Lord the sound that saved the wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. are gone my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and love his mercy reigns unending grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my 
God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love amazing grace unending love amazing As we have received the grace of God, let's also be not only recipients of that grace, but that we might be gracious towards those that are around us, that they might see that that grace abounds. Father, thank you for us this morning. Thank you for every member, every family member. Thank you for every person, man, woman, boy, and girl. Father, you are the God of all grace. You're the God of all goodness. There is abundant grace to be bestowed as a lavish and extravagant gift towards those who walk in humility. Let us be clothed in that garment, O God, that our lives might manifest your gift of goodness, of grace. We repent for any attitude that's self-sufficient, a self-reliant that walks arrogantly and proudly. We don't want that. We don't want the, the consequences of those attitudes, Lord. So we come before your altar this morning with all due humility. We come, O oh Lord, asking for mercy, asking for you to supply that which is missing, even the, the increase of our uh, provision economically, financially, Lord. Give us the the thoughts of Christ, that we might come to serve rather than to be served, that we might come in attitude of thankfulness and generosity, that we're not thinking only on what we're going to receive, but what we can bless, the work of God, the kingdom of God through your wealth, through your riches that you place upon us, O oh God, that we can bless our families, that we can bless, Father God, our communities that we be the source of your vast expanse and gracious pouring out. Forgive us for falling short and walking away and being neglectful in our devotion to you, that we would recognize, oh God, that you're, you're ample enough to make, it, to make it abound towards us in all sufficiency so that we can glorify your name so that we can serve you with gladness. So at the times of shaking, that we're not running to Sodom. We're not running to this world. We're not running like Lot, distant from relationship in self-sufficiency. We pray that you be glorified, magnified, exalted. And that we humbly bow down. Bow our knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that we can see it exceedingly, abundantly abound, way above what we even pray or ask. And we give you thanks, O oh God, for your glorious measure. You said for us to come before your throne of grace that we might have help in time of, of need, O oh God. And we believe that you are the great, amazing King of glory. Be exalted, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. See you on the 31st as we say goodbye to 2014 and hello to 2015.